Okay, Tov, and welcome to our Daf Yomishir. We are continuing on on Daf Chet Amur Aleph, and uh, the last fish that we did indica- in, included an opinion of Rabbi Meir, so we have another mention of Rabbi Meir. Beor Amar Rabbi Meir, Malaket Adam Atzamot Aviv Kind of a strange statement that a person is allowed to literally collect the bones. What it means is to reinter uh, his uh, deceased parents. Because it is a source of happiness. It's kind of a strange statement. We'll figure it out. Rabbi Yossi Omer disagrees and says it's a source of mourning and therefore one is not allowed to do this on Cholomoi. A person is not allowed to awaken emotions. We'll see what this means in the Gemara. Or to have a, a formal eulogy within 30 days before the holiday. We'll see why and we'll see why 30 days. So the Gemara immediately challenges Rav Meir's assertion that burial, uh, reinterment is a source of happiness. If you reinter, and this is something that sadly, of course, happened in the summer of 2005 when the uh, the cemeteries of Gush Katif were relocated. Uh, when you reinter someone, you have mourning for that day. But that evening, it's it's over. Even if the bones are still uh, in your satchel, as it were, the Yavilut is over at evening. So therefore, how can you say that it's a source of simcha? You're supposed to uh, mourn. So Abaya says, what does Rameir mean? It doesn't mean that the reinterment is a source of happiness, but rather that you are engaged in uh, in the happiness of the regal, and therefore we're not concerned that this relatively minor bit of mourning is going to uh, is going to bother you that much. Good. The end of the Mishnah said you should not bestir emotions about the dead. What does that mean? The way that the uh, Rav says, I remember in Eretz Yisrael that the mourner, the, the mourner generators, the mourner, the people who would generate mourning would walk around and say, everybody who's sad should cry with me. In other words, they would send people around to go and uh, initiate and generate sadness about the person who had died. That's Yilarero Alamet. That's supposed to do that or have eulogies 30 days before the regal. So why 30 days? So Rav says, It's a story about a fellow who put money together to go to the Beit HaMikdash for the regal. And just before the regal, a fellow whose job it was to eulogize came and stood in front of his house. Uh, and evidently this was a job that in some cases one was paid for by the community, by the people, by the people at, the door, at the door of whom he came to. So the wife took the money and gave it to this saftan. The result of that was they didn't make Ali al regal. So this is Rob's take. That's why they said within 30 days before the the Yom Tov, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't have this um, this mourning kind of initiative that goes around. We're talking here about somebody who passed away at some point during the year and Shloshim uh, or after a year or whatever it is, they want to get people to remember them. So they send people around to uh, to create this emotional um, fervor. And in some cases, they were paid by the people under whose door they came. So the problem is, it's not just Ali Al-Regal. People need money for Yantif. They need money for the meals. They need money for the different mitzvot. And therefore, the concern is that they're the, at the last minute going to give this money away to something that really doesn't need to happen now. Shmuel had a different take. 
Uh, because the reality is that when you have a sad, a very intense sad experience, for 30 days the sadness stays with you. And so therefore the concern is that if you have one of these memorial gatherings within a month before Yontif, on Yontif you'll still be sad for a minute. It will violate not the uh, financial wherewithal to perform the mitzvot of the Chag, but it will violate the mitzvah itself of Simchat HaChag. So my Benayu, what's the difference between Rav and Shmuel's take? In what case, as we call it, how do we split the difference? In what case would one of them maintain the concern and the other would not? In a circumstance where the person does this kind of job for free. So if he does it for free, there is no concern about the money, the financial resources for the Yom Tov being used elsewhere, but there is concern about the sadness. Good. The next Mishnah. So Chuchin and Kvarot are different sort of burial spots. We'll see what they are in a moment. You're not allowed to dig them on Cholamoy. But you can adjust them on the on the moed. You're allowed to make a laundry pool. Ivrechet seems to be a little bit out of place, but it's talking about construction and digging. But you're also allowed to build a casket for the mate as long as the mate is bachatzer. Rabbi Yehuda says you're not allowed to do that unless the boards are already prepared. You have to have boards that were pre-cut before Yanta. Now, my kuchin and my kvarot, the Gemara wonders, what's the difference between a kuch and a kever? So the way that Rav Yehuda reads it is a kuch is something which is dug in the ground, like our graves, and a kever is something that's dug into a building, either the side of a building or the bottom of a building. We have a bright that says exactly that. Good. Now, the rest of the Mishnah said, How do you prepare the kuch? If it was too long, you can make it shorter. You can fill it in with dirt. You can make it longer. You can make it wider. So in other words, as long as you already had one dog, and it turns out that the mate is uh, taller than you thought or fatter than you thought, you have to make it wider. That you can do. So my nivrechet. What is a nivrechet? We already explained it. It's a laundry pool. We have a bright that says you can make a nivrechet and a bakia. So nivrechet can't be a bakia. All right, then they're the same thing. One's large, one's small. One's a big pool, one's a small pool. The last item in the Mishnah said, You're allowed to make a casket uh, for a mate. That supports this brighta, or supported by this brighta. You're allowed to do anything needed for the corpse. You can cut his hair. You can launder his clothes, so he's buried with clean clothes. And you can make a, a casket uh, made out of uh, wood that was already pre-cut before Yontem. So Gamliel says you can even bring wood, and you can saw them, but you can bring them into the house and privately, so nobody's watching, you can saw them in order to make the boards, in order to make the casket. Okay. The next Mishnah, and this is the last Mishnah we will deal with today, and we will not get uh, all the way through the Gemara's assessment of it, um, takes us away from the, the area of discussion we've had so far. So far we've been dealing about actions which are similar to Malacha, or in one, uh, with the exception, of course, of the topic of Tzarat, where there was a concern that it was going to interfere with somebody's happiness. Here we have something which seems to be the exact opposite. We're not allowed to do things that are causes of happiness which are independent of Yom Tov and Yom Tov. 
And here I put a little bit of a note, and I included the passage from the Yushalmi, because it's quite interesting, and we get to it, I'll mention it. You're not allowed to get married on Cholomoyed. Doesn't matter whether it's a betula, which is the greatest simcha, or an almana, somebody who was already married before and was widowed or divorced. You can't do yibum either. Yeah, even though one might think yibum is a particular directed mitzvah, and perhaps yibum has less simcha to it. Nonetheless, there's simcha there. The one marriage you're allowed to have is if you divorced your wife, and of course she didn't marry anybody in the meantime, and of course you're not a Kohen, and you remarry her. That you could do. The second thing is that a woman can do also facial treatments. Tachshit in modern Hebrew is um, is jewelry, but in the in this Mishnah, as you will see, the context is one of facial treatments. He says she can't put on certain kind of uh, stuff on her skin. It's used to make it uh, fresh and young looking. Nation of Wulula, because at the time you put it on, it looks disgusting. Yeah, just like I remember as a young child being at the Dead Sea and seeing these people put on the mud, and perhaps it kept their skin young, but while they had it on, they looked like monsters. This really is the next mission, and we're not going to discuss it in detail because the, we will not get to the Gemara on it yet. But a regular person can sew in a normal manner on Cholamoid, but an expert, a tailor, has to do sort of temporary stitches. It's something we'll discuss in detail tomorrow. Uh, you, the, but basically, their beds were sort of like hammocks, and they had crossed ropes underneath the mattress. So you're allowed to set up the ropes. Biosi says all you could do is to stretch the ropes. We'll see in the Gemara, not today, uh, what the what the, the um, tziyut is there. Good. Now, the Gemara immediately addresses the issue of marriage. So what's the problem if the guy is happy getting married? Isn't that good? You should be happy on the Chag? So we have several early Amoraim being credited with this statement. You're not allowed to mix one simcha with another. Some of the Rishonim say that this is a subset of the rule of We don't want to double dip and, as it were, to like use one coast for two mitzvot. That's why, for instance, we uh, we at Sheva Brachot have one cup for the uh, for the right, for the you don't want to be sort of cheap. You don't want to say, oh, look, you're having a festival anyways, I'll have a wedding then. No, the wedding's separate. Uh, others uh, are of the opinion that this, uh, the problem here is simply that one takes away from the other. You can't have a fully exciting wedding when uh, it's already it's also Yontif, and you certainly, it can take away from the excitement of Yontif if you focused on a wedding. Our he has a little bit of a different take. You're going to ignore celebrating the regal because you're going to be elating your wife. That statement really belongs to Rav. And how do I know you're not supposed to get married under the regal? You have to rejoice in your festival. Now, Bechagecha doesn't mean on your festival, but about the festival. You have to rejoice in the festival, not your wife, in other words. Your main focus on the festival should be God and the historic event you're celebrating and the Beit HaMikdash and the Sukkah, etc., and not your new wife. Ulamar, he has a third opinion, Torah, right? Torah, which is you're going to be putting too much effort into uh, making the wedding, and that'll be a violation of the issue of Tirchan Cholomoy. He has a third take, which is that if a person plans to get married in Cholomoy, then that means they're going to delay their wedding till then. 
And they'll save money. They'll say, oh, we're having a big thing anyways, and the family's coming in anyways, so we'll wait till then. In the meantime, you should get married earlier. Now, we have essentially three approaches. Approach number one, which is Ein Marvid Simcha B'Simcha, because you're not giving proper due to each thing. The second one is Ula, because you're going to be doing too much work on Cholamoy. And the third opinion is of Yitzhak Nafka that says you're going to be delaying your wedding uh, in order to have get married on Cholamoy. We have a challenge. So we have a statement that says that all of these, this whole list in our Mishnah, um, every one of them you're allowed to get married on Erev HaRegel. Right? Which means, by the way, that on, if you get married Erev Yontif, certainly Cholomoyed, you're still going to be rejoicing with your wife. You certainly will be involved in putting a lot of Tircha together for the week of celebration. And you might also delay getting married. So each one of the reasons explained seems to fail because of this explanation, because of this exception. So kasha lekulu, so lo kasha. The mandam simcha, the first approach, which is Rav's approach of a marvin simcha v'simcha, to ikr simcha chad The main simcha of a wedding, even though there's simcha for seven days, the main simcha is the first day. If the first day is not on yontif, is not on the regel, that's okay. The mandam v'shum tircha. And Ula's reason, which is the refrain of Tircha, Ikra Tircha Chad Yomahu. The main Tircha is the wedding. Compare a wedding to a Shavar Bracha. Shavar Bracha is a fancy dinner. A wedding is, ooh, a big to do. And the third opinion that says, we're concerned that a person is going to delay getting married. Alright? A person, um, is not going to, uh, is not going to wait to get married just to get married on Erev Yantan. So he's not going to put it off for that reason. To get married on Yontif itself, that would, uh, that would, that he would wait for, because then he'll have the whole, the whole amoy. But to plan to get married on Ever Argel doesn't, it's not something he would delay for. Good. So now, how do we know the general premise that you're not, you don't mix one simcha with another? How do we know this? So the Bavli says, from the Shlomo's dedication of the Beit Hamikdash, which took place, for the seven days before Sukkot, which of course, notice, includes Yom Kippur, and for the seven days of Sukkot. This is Pasuk number two on the page, the very end of the very long parak, Chet and Malachim Aleph. It's seven days and seven days, fourteen days. Now, if you're allowed to mix one Simcha with another, you should have waited till Sukkot. And had a really super duper Sukkot with the dedication of the Mikdash. The seven days could have been for both. So maybe that doesn't prove anything. Maybe we don't really wait. But if it happens to fall out, uh, if it happens to fall out on Yantif, then you would celebrate. In other words, maybe we don't plan something that way, but if it falls out, maybe it would be fine. Maybe if Shlomo had not finished until a little later, he could do it on Sukkot. So now, then Shlomo should have left something over um, to celebrate afterwards. So No, that we don't do. We're not going to leave something unbuilt uh, in the Beit HaMikdash because the mitzvah should be done properly. So Alright, so he could have left uh, one little piece on the roof of the Beit HaMikdash, right, which is... Um, which is a sharp edges on top so that birds don't sit there. No, that's also part of the Beit HaMikdash. You're also not going to delay. So how do we know that Shlomo really uh, knew that you really have to separate the Simcha of the, Beit, of the dedication of the Beit HaMikdash from the celebration of Sukkot? And it does not just that uh, because it happened to fall out then, that's when he did it. 
the Pasuk has an extra phrase. It says 14 days. Why does it say 7 days and 7 days? And that's 14 days. Anybody can count that. It's there to tell you that the 14 days were 7 of Beit HaMikdash celebration and 7 of Sukkot, and they're separate. Good. Okay. Okay, we now uh, end this, the, today's year with an Agadah uh, about that year in which, as I mentioned, there was no Yom Kippur because they celebrated the the uh, dedication of the Beit HaMikdash. That year there was no Yom Kippur. So they were concerned. They said, Maybe we're going to be destroyed now that we didn't do Yom Kippur. So a heavenly voice came out and said, You all have a place in Olam Haba. You, you haven't done anything wrong. So my drush, so how, how did they justify this? After all, the Mishkan in the desert did not have any permanent sanctity. It moved from place to place. And nonetheless, a korban yachid means here, in this case, the korban tamid. It's kind of strange to call it a korban yachid. Uh, actually, sorry, the korban yachid of the nisiim, Because after all, the nisiim brought the korbanot um, for the first 12 days of Nisan, which of course includes at least one Shabbat. Uh, and it was docha Shabbat. The Isra Skila. And Chilul Shabbat is an Ishuskila. And nonetheless, at the dedication of the Mishkan, the Korban Yachid was Docha Shabbat. Mikdash. So Kavachom, or the Mikdash, the Kishato, Kedushat Olam. This place is holy now forever. Korban Sibur. And now the Korban that we're bringing now is not a Korban Yachid. It's a Korban Sibur. The Yom Kippurim, Danosh Karet. And now what are we going to violate by bringing this Korban? We're going to violate Yom Kippur, which is less of a serious uh, prohibition than Shabbat because the punishment is Karet. So it's kind of a complex kavachomer. If when the Mishkan was dedicated, we trumped Shabbat by having the Nisim bring their korban yachid, even though that's normally in Isur Skilad, here, where it's the Beit HaMikdash, which means it's permanent Kedushah, it's certainly greater gravitas to the sanctity here, and the korban we're bringing is a korban sibur, uh, certainly it should be doche Yom Kippur, which is only karet. So, if that's the case, that a good kavachomer. Why were they worried? So, the answer was that there, God had commanded it. So, in the dedication of Mishkan, yes, it's skila, and yes, it's not permanent kedusha, but God had commanded it. Here, on the other hand, it is uh, it was not commanded by God. So good. So why didn't they bring the korbanot of the dedication and not eat? And not violate Yom Kippur that way. So the answer is, it's not simcha to bring korbanot and not eat. So now let's go back to the premise of the argument. How do we know that the that the dedication of the Mishkan was Docha Shabbat? Take a look at the Psukim on the page. It says, etc. And Right? So it said by Yom that's Shabbat. So Yom the Korbanot. Who says? Maybe the seventh day means the seventh day of the Korbanot. In other words, maybe they brought every weekday and they skipped Shabbat. And the seventh day doesn't mean the seventh day of the week or the seventh day since they brought the first one, but the seventh day of Korbanot. Because when it comes to the eleventh day, 
It says, Biyom Ashteasar Yom, second time Yom. Ma Yom Kuloratsuf, just like a day is is all uh, sequential within itself. Uh, similarly, the 11 are all in a sequence. In other words, it's not as if you had six days and then a break and then another five days. No, the 11 days are all in a sequence. Maybe the days in a sequence means days that were fit for bringing korbanot. In other words, maybe again they skipped Shabbat. No, because the next day is the, is the last day of the thing. Again, it says, and again, yom. So just like a day is all is all sequential within itself, first nine o'clock, then ten o'clock, and eleven o'clock, nothing is skipped. So all twelve days were not skipped. Maybe this is also to the twelve days that were fit days, meaning everything that's Shabbat. So you can't trade Kray Then why do I need the Yom Ashteasar Yom and the Yom Shneimasar Yom? What do I need two of them for? In other words, one of them is there to tell me that all of these days are not Ratsuf. Good, so that's how we know that the Mishkan is Docha Shabbat. How do we know that the Mishkan is Docha Yom Kippurim? And then the question came, so why didn't they just bring the Korbanot and not eat? And the answer was, that's not Simcha. It says that they celebrated for 14 days and ended up on Shemini Yatzeret. Maybe it was 14 appropriate days, meaning 14 days around Yom Kippur. And skipping Yom Kippur. The answer is Gamar Yom Yom Mehatam. The answer is here it says Abbasa Yom. And then in the Mishkan it says Yom Shnemasa Yom. And Yom and Yom together tell you Ratsuf, meaning the sequence was uninterrupted. So now, Yatstam Bakov Yom Ralahim. So a heavenly voice came out and said, So Manalanda Achilah, how do we know God forgave them? That's also Pasuk 2 on the page, that on the eighth day, Shlomo sent the people home, and they blessed the king, and they were happy about all of the great things that God had done with David or Israel. Now, what does Lo'olehem mean? They all went home and found that their wives were not nida. They went to their tents. We saw yesterday that tent is an allusion to the wife, in the context of Mitzvah. Smechim, what's that? They had really appreciated and, and been graced with the presence of the Shechina. The Tovei Lei, they were feeling good. What's that? They came home and had relations with their wife, and in each case, their wife came pregnant with a son. It's darshaning all the pieces of the Pasuk. What's all the greatness? The greatness is that they were promised by God, and they heard this heavenly voice saying that they had a place in the world to come. And it ends the David of Do the Israel Amo. What does that mean? Bishlama the Israel Amo. I understand what God had done for Israel. The Achel of Yom Kippur. He had forgiven them for not celebrating Yom Kippur. Al David of Do What was the greatness he did for David? So simple shot in the pasuk is that they were all thanking God for doing this great kindness to David. That David, in his death, had established a, a, a dynasty with Shlomo taking over, and he was able to then build a house for God. They should probably take a look at Shmuel Bet, Perak Zion, where God basically says to David, you want to build a house for me? I'm going to first build a house for you. But the drasha is, When Shlomo tried to bring the Aaron into the Mikdash, to dedicate the Mikdash, the gates stuck to each other. He's saying 24 songs. Below Nana, it wasn't delivered. He said, Below Nana, and he still wasn't answered. 
כיוון שאמר, אדוני אלוהים אל תשב פני משיחך, זוכרה לחסדי דוד עבדיך, remember my father David and all his great things, מיד נענה them the gates open. So the gates were not open unless Shlomo went until he invoked his father's name. Invoked his father's name. At that point, all of David's enemies, which is Beit Shaul and many others, turned, their faces turned as dark because they realized that God had forgiven David and there was nothing that they could accuse David anymore of because the one sin that he had, that God had forgiven him for the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah, the one thing as recorded in Lachim Tetvad, as the one thing that David failed in, God had forgiven him, and it was in the schut of David that Shlomo was able to open the Beit HaMikdash and bring the Aron in and properly dedicate the Mikdash. So, everybody should have a wonderful day. Emir Tzashem, tomorrow we're going to finish the sugya and get to the Mishnah on Daf Yod Amur Aleph.